Mac Power Users, episode 337, Workflows with Father Gabriel. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd? I'm well, David. I'm nursing a little bit of a sore throat, so I've got uh, tea, Earl Grey, hot, sitting right here in front of me, of course. I like the little accent there. That was that was good. Uh, is that not how it's pronounced? Yeah. Uh. And, and I like the fact that Katie Floyd is still here. You're getting sick, right? Sore throat's the beginning of it. She's a trooper, man. She's like, I, we're, we're recording a podcast. It doesn't matter. And uh, I'm also very happy to welcome our guest to the show, Father Gabriel. Welcome to the show, Father Gabe. Hello, how's it going? Excellent. Um, so, so gang, I met Father Gabriel for the first time, I think at Macworld many years ago. This guy, I think I was talking at the Omni Group booth or something, and this guy walked up to me and I'm like, what is a cosplayer doing at Macworld? You know, <laughs> at the time, uh, you were Brother Gabriel, you were a Dominican monk uh, living in Oakland, I believe. That's correct. That's correct. Yes. And uh, you were full on. I mean, you had the full regalia and I thought you were a cosplayer, I have to admit. And then you had the coolest wardrobe at Macworld for sure. Oh, yeah. And then by the end of the Macworld, everybody wanted to know, you know, who, everybody wanted to like have a beer with Brother Gabriel. I mean, yeah. Who is this crazy Jedi looking sort of guy? Yeah, exactly. Did, did you, in fact, have a lightsaber under your robes? Can you disclose that? Better. Uh, better. So Brother Gabe uh, eventually was elevated to the priesthood. Now you're a priest in Portland. That's correct. Yes. And w- where are you located at Portland? Just in case anybody needs to go see you. Oh, yeah. I'm at uh, Holy Rosary Parish, which is in what they now call the Lloyd District, uh, or that used to be known as the Rose Quarter, I guess. We're right by what is now so horribly called the Moda Center. And, um, and it's sort of centrally located in the city. It's on the east side of the bridges, but it's a, it's a, it's an easy place to get everywhere in Portland. One of the things we were commenting on before the show is obviously you're on Mac power users because as we'll get into, you have a very strong interest in technology, but your assignments have seemed to be in very tech friendly cities, you know, Oakland and the San Francisco Bay area and now in Portland. And I asked you, so I'll ask you again on the, on the podcast, how does that happen? Was that by, by happenstance or by request or just luck? Yeah, just a little bit of providence. I think it's it's been wonderful as far as I'm concerned. I haven't I haven't requested it. No one has suggested. It's just the way way things have worked out. Well, well, the first time we met, um, you and I started talking, and it quickly became apparent to me that you are a pretty clever guy when it comes to technology. And we have always talked about on the show. You know, we've had. TJ on the show and a few other folks of the cloth who uh, who are really using technology in ways uh, that are super useful, not just to someone who is a priest or a preacher, but someone who routinely has to talk to other people and organize a lot of things. And so we're making good on our threat. We we're bringing in Father Gabriel to talk about the way he's using technology as a priest. But but I believe the show is actually going to go a lot deeper than that. Um, but before we get there. Uh, Father Gabriel, how did you fall into this Apple world? Well, actually, it was primarily because I couldn't keep my life organized. As a student, I was trying to do too many things. Not only was I trying to study and write papers, tons of papers. This, this was in my, in my postgrad. And 
And also I started becoming a speaker around the Bay Area at different places. I was requested to give talks on various topics. And in that whole process, I found myself wanting for time and the ability to maintain a balanced life. And so I started to ask people questions. And finally, I settled on on um, the sort of Apple ecosystem because I am really, really bad at keeping a paper calendar. I don't pay attention to it. <laughs> so I'm really bad at it, like totally. And so um, I got permission to purchase an iPod Touch. It's a third third generation, I believe. And uh, started using calendar, just the calendar app and and reminders. And once that started to work out for me fairly well, uh, joining that with the work that I was already doing, giving presentations and uh, teaching classes, I uh, I got permission to get a Mac so that I could start using Keynote and uh, other other applications in order to sort of join all of this together into one cohesive whole, which seemed to make sense to me. Also, primarily because I was really, really sick of dealing with Dell tech support. So um, it, it's worked out marvelously. Uh, as as I've told other people in the past, uh, the greatest thing that Apple ever sold me was my time back. And and it's only been better since using and getting getting to know other third-party programs uh, listening to actually you guys, you guys have been a huge part of this throughout the years of helping me find applications and, and, uh, services that make my work more efficient and, and also people like Merlin Mann and, and whatnot. It's been very, very helpful. It, it's really amazing what a gateway drug keynote is for people uh, to get into the Apple ecosystem, especially if you present it all. Um, I know so many folks that, we're happy Windows users until they saw Keynote and then they said, oh, I have to have that. And they get a Mac just for the purpose of Keynote. And before you know it, they're all the way in. Oh, it's brilliant. Keynote's amazing. I want to take a step back and talk about something you said just in passing, but you said you had to ask permission to get an iPod Touch. Now, explain that a little bit. Is that because you were on an all PC world and your colleagues were using something else? Or is that for other reasons? No, it's it's because of the nature of my life. So as a as a religious, one of our vows is poverty. And the way in which the Dominicans, the way we interpret poverty, it's more about detachment. So you can you can have anything that you need for the apostolate, but you need to ask permission. You can't just go out and get things. And you don't really have the money either just to go out and get things. The community may have the resources. But you you have a superior and you say, hey, um, I think this might be able to help me out in, in my life and in the work that I'm doing. Is that something that I can go ahead and get or or whatnot? And they say yes or no, or we'll think about it or maybe down the road. In this case, it was I was asking permission to raise money. So I had to because we didn't have the money for for uh, allocated for for uh, technology like that, especially, you know, uh a uh, MacBook Pro is a lot more expensive than than a little netbook, which is what most of the brothers would have for typing up papers. And and so I had to raise the the couple grand for that. And I had some very generous friends who, and and I continue to have very generous friends who will help sort of fund these needs when I'm given permission to 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 get them. Well, one of the things I've been really fascinated with uh, Father Gabriel is the changes in your life. When you and I first met, we um. You were a brother, and in a large way, you were a student at the time. I guess, is that a fair way to say it? Correct, yes. And and now you're something else. I mean, uh, you were telling me the other day as we were kind of thinking about this show, 
all the different hats you wear as a priest. Share with everybody kind of your description of it. I thought it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, I've come to start describing being a parish priest as being a stay-at-home dad who's running four companies. It's, <laughs> it's, that. it's insane. Uh, the, the, every, everyone, every, everyone in, in your parish, they're, they're like your, your children. They're like your family. And, and there really is a claim on your time as, as, as the priest and people want to talk to you. People just want to spend time with you. Uh, they want, they need things blessed. They need to have their homes visit different, different things, you know, counseling issues, uh, things that are more light, things that are very heavy. And so that takes a lot of time and attention and a lot of emotional reserves, quite frankly. And then on top of that, there are all of the corporate aspects. So uh, every parish is a is a nonprofit, and so the finances have to be cared for the same way a, a nonprofit would be. And so we have to have all of our ducks in a row uh, for the for the federal government to maintain the the tax exempt status and. Make sure that we are we are being responsible with our fiduciary responsibilities. Then, on top of that, all the programs that are being run out of the parish, whether educational programs or social programs or service programs, and and I'm I'm involved in a good portion of the ones at our parish, which is actually a very very active parish. There's a lot of a lot of different groups going on that that require a lot of time and energy. So, and then we're always building new things. We're always putting on new programs and new education. I'm, I'm rebuilding some educational programs at the parish and planning some other major events. And so it's all, all of that constantly. And, and, it, and it never, it never, it never ceases. And you're leaving off the fact that you also give a presentation every Sunday. Every day, every day. So, so uh, we, we have the practice that uh, there's at least a, a short homily every day at mass so at the very least, I'm going to be I'm going to be preaching and a prepared homily. You, know, you can't just well, I guess you could just run out there and just you know say whatever you want, but that's you know the people deserve better than that. And so you have to take some time for prayer and 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 study and and actually doing the harder work so that so that the preaching is good, edifying, and and it actually has an effect on people's lives. Otherwise, it's you know it's going to be that crazy droning on that you, you you see in Hollywood that everybody makes fun of. One of the best presentation tips I ever learned in my entire life was from a priest when I was, I think I was like 12 and I was a, I was an altar boy and we had this Irish father, Father Patrick. And of course his name was Patrick, right? Pa <laughs> um, Patrick, Patrick. Yeah, and he says to me, he says, he says, Dave, you're never going to save a soul after 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. That is absolutely the truth. The, the, the mind, the mind can, the mind can only, uh, can only receive what the, what the, what there's, there's a, a more coarse way of saying this, but what the, the bottom can endure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, but even as a young lawyer, I always remembered those words as I'd be standing up in front of people and thinking, okay, you got to cut this down. You got to get it, you know, 20 minutes. I can't save a soul after 20 minutes. I can't convince anybody of anything after 20 minutes. And, um, it's just a, it's a great little thing, uh, in my past, but, um, so, so kind of breaking it down, you are a man that has a lot of demands on your time. You're, you are in essence running a nonprofit business. Um, you're doing all the, the social and community commitments, plus you are pastoring to these folks. And, uh, so as a result, you have brought technology to bear on that as a, as a, not only a priest, but a nerd as well. Um, so I thought what we do is break the talk today into a couple different sections. We're going to talk about how you handle time and attention. Uh, 
how you deal with the research and writing kind of part of your job. Now let's talk about the Gabriel as the master presenter and and a little bit of project management. So there's a kind of a rough outline what we're going to talk about today. Uh, let's hone in now for this first segment, at least about time and attention, because it sounds to me like that is maybe one of your biggest challenges. And you mentioned starting off with calendaring and scheduling that that was the original challenge that brought you to the iPod touch. Is that still a struggle? That is that is the perennial struggle. Learning how to use a calendar properly and using it effectively is really the centerpiece of everything. And that's not just not just maintaining uh, time and attention and, and emotional reserves, but all the other planning, because the time for research, the time for organizing, uh, playing around on the computer, getting Hazel to work right so I can file things away on, on, on my behalf so I don't have to think about it, all that takes time. And in the end, that's really all we have, right? All we have is time. So time is the most valuable commodity that we have. And the calendar is a representation of that. It's, this is my life. So I, I have to look at every day. And uh, there's there's certain things in my schedule that I don't have control over. When, when I'm going to be saying mass, hearing confessions, when I'm going to be chanting the divine office with the brothers, having dinner, uh, the meals, all those sorts of things are governed for me. So there's this already set structure uh, to the calendar. But then... I have to be able to use the times in between extremely efficiently so that I can do all this other work. And that continues to be the, the, the major sort of challenge is how, what, what is the smartest way to um, filter, I would say filter appointments and filter obligations. Oh, I was going to ask, what are you using for that now? Have you found a specific app or a specific service that works for you? Absolutely. Fantastical. I use it on on uh, the Mac and on iOS. I have yet to find a more uh, effective, efficient, clear, and and just good all-around uh, calendaring application. And primarily because I can it, – it thinks the way I do and the way and, – and also when I don't think the way Fantastical does, I'm willing to modify my thinking to it, if that makes sense. So that, that's kind of the way I think of all, all these applications. I don't like to I'm, – I'm not a fiddler with third-party applications. I, I'm not interested in so much adding to what they, what they already provide. I want to take them as they are and do they, do they work the way I think? And if they don't work the way I think, then either I need to find something else or I need to modify my, my procedures, my own internal thought about uh, a system. So in this case, Fantastical works. Now, there's a lot of different ways to use a calendar. And, and what, how are you doing it? In essence, like, it sounds to me like you have all these block commitments. You know, you have uh, commitments to, you know, appear at some event, you have commitments to meet with a family, commitments to prepare and give your sermons. Uh, how is that stuff showing up on your calendar? Okay, so for so what I do is I have three, I only have three calendars that I use in Fantastical. I have a medical calendar to manage because I, I also have health issues. So um, to to uh, manage my my doctor's appointments and whatnot, so there's that. Then um, then I have the what I call my the the orarium. That's a formal term. Those are all the prayer and liturgical obligations that are decided for me by my superior in the community. 
and those are those are all placed in. Then I have just work, and for me that means everything else. It's almost like the, it's it's almost like an everything box. I used to have it broken down into more diverse uh, functions to try and keep things more more separated with uh, color coding, but I, I found that I don't really need that. What I what I need is just what's going on. What's going on uh, in my health life? What's going on in the liturgical life? And what's going on uh, that's taking up my time otherwise? And that I get to manage. So what happens is effectively uh, I will – I have built in the time for study, the time for prayer, the time for for um, for uh, liturgy and whatnot and, and other devotions and different things that are not governed by our schedule at the parish – I've already built those in and made those static in my own life just by my own decision so that they're consistent. I wake up the same time every day. I try and go to sleep. That's the harder part. Trying to go to sleep at the same time every day. I do certain tasks at the same time every day. Then the things that vary, I, I, I add those ad hoc. And the way those usually come in is someone will call into the parish or they'll send me an email and request a meeting or they need me to go in and uh, assist at another parish or to do a presentation. And then it's a process of negotiation, usually over email about time and and uh, what I can do and what I can't do. And I do govern people. I'm very persnickety. I govern people into saying, look, I these are the time slots that I have open. Everything else that I have already established that is a static time, that includes my study time and my prayer time, those, that's time that's already accounted for. So that time is no longer free. And, and so it's only in those in-between times where I have the free time that, that I'm available. Now, I have to modify that, of course, if I'm going to go do an event. So I've got a conference to do here in October up at uh, uh, University of Portland, and that's just going to take the entire day. So I just have to reschedule my whole day, and I'm, I'm willing to do that for events. But quite frankly, the day-to-day sort of work um, – um, I'm, I've gotten into the habit of saying, well, these are my office hours, so to speak, if that makes sense. So that's how I, that's how I use it to sort of give a ground, uh, give a, a, a firm and a solid, uh, foundation, uh, to my life in general. Something we don't talk about enough on the show is the, uh, the fact that you have technology and the ability with something like Fantastical to add a new calendar event in a blink of an eye, essentially. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't change the fact that as humans, we only have so much time and attention we can give. And you can create as many calendar events as you want, but if you don't have the time or bandwidth to cover them all, you're going to have a problem. Yeah, I, I, it's actually, I mean, to be honest, it's listening, listening a lot to um, the way I, our, our friend Merlin Mann, the way he's how how sort of persnickety he is about using his calendar and how, uh, as he describes a fancy, he can get about it. Uh, I've learned a lot from that, and and I don't feel bad anymore by by needing people to accommodate to to the schedule that I have. I, I've had to learn. That's actually part of it. I've had to learn how to not feel bad <laughs> about about not being at everyone's beck and call at every given moment. I had to learn early on that if I were to be completely open uh, with my life, that I would I would be running from one thing to the other and and I would completely I would destroy myself um, uh, emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically. 
And so, the, so I've had to become disciplined. And you're right. It, it go, it's the, the basic principle is we only have so much time. And how are you going to spend it? Are you using any online tools uh, or scheduling services? I know there are a few available now, and we've had some Mac Power users write in about them to us to help people schedule time with you. No, I, I haven't. And and the reason why, uh, well, there's two reasons. Well, I, I think we could, we could talk about one of them later that I do try and use and I have tried to use in the past. But to be honest, a lot of the people that I end up dealing with, you know, it's kind of about like knowing your audience. A lot of the people that I work with or who I spend time with are, or who need my help really they don't function that way. Uh, most most people that I'm working with, they either want to deal with a phone call or email, and and sort of having a remote or sort of a I don't know uh, a internet based or a service based scheduling system would lose for them. I think that personal touch, and a lot of them are really asking uh, of their priest. They're asking for that personal touch. Sure, and. And an email is already a little bit distant from that. So that's also the good that you have to balance. Uh, I think as a, as a priest, someone that's ministering, if you're, when you're serving people, you have to balance like, they're, okay, yeah, there's a whole bunch of great services out there, but w- the, these people, there needs to be that element of the personal involved. Yeah, and, and it is it is tough saying, well, go log on to my website and look at my availability. It's just, it's very impersonal, I think, that process. Mm-hmm. It's that's the reason why I frankly haven't used it in my legal practice. I don't want to put my clients through saying, "Oh, you have to go log into some website and look at a calendar." I think there's an analogy. Both both of you as as lawyers, I think there's an analogy there. If if you if you hire a, a lawyer, this is someone that you need to have a relationship with, and you need to be willing to um, you you want to trust them, so you want to get to know them, so that all of those points of contact. Uh, that you have those those actual points of contact of on the phone or through email or in person. Each of those are very important for establishing the relationship. That's the bedrock of the work that's done. I want to take a moment and talk about our next sponsor, Fracture. Fracture is a photo decor company that's out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. They print your photos directly onto glass and then add a laser cut rigid backing. So they're ready to display right out of the box. You know, they even include the little wall anchor so you can just drill right into the wall and boom, you're done. It's the finishing touches like that that make Fracture so wonderful. All you have to do is head over to their website at fracture.me slash podcast. That's actually the word podcast, not the name of this podcast and upload your digital photo, pick your size. And it's that simple. There is something magical that they do with the fracture process that makes both the color and the contrast of your photo really pop. And I've got a ton of these. They are sleek. They are frameless. It is a beautiful design that makes your photos stand out and they really match any decorating style. So you can take them from room to room or from home to office, and they're always going to work. You can bring a special memory to life. You can give it as a unique gift. You can decorate your home with all of the moments that tell your story. And businesses also love using Fracture Prints to brighten up their workspaces or give us corporate gifts or awards. And if you've got a new business that you're trying to decorate an office, this is actually a fairly inexpensive way to personalize and decorate your office. You can either do it with your own prints or Fracture has a series of custom prints that you can buy. Fractures come with a 60-day happiness guarantee, so you're going to make sure that you love your order. And each fracture is handmade in Gainesville, Florida, from U.S.-sourced materials and their carbon-neutral factory. 
So here's what you do. For more info and a discount off your order, visit FractureMe.com slash podcast. And don't forget to mention Mac Power users in their one question survey to let them know that we sent you. It helps support the show. That's FractureMe.com slash podcast. Thanks, Fracture, for your continued support of Mac Power users. Father Gabriel, I know you are also a big user of the Apple Watch. How does that play into this whole process? It's a perfect segue because that element of the personal is so important, uh, but also being able to manage your, your time and your schedule. Uh, when you're dealing with people all the time and you're constantly looking at your phone or things are buzzing or dinging or ringing, it, it puts another barrier between you and the other person. So one of the advantages, the, the greatest advantage that I found with the Apple Watch so far, which again, I, w- I was gifted by some friends uh, when I was ordained a priest, has been the being able to receive notifications of what's going on uh through the the haptic touch right so the, that little that that little tap on my on my wrist says you have something coming up or someone's trying to get a hold of you or something's going on and then i can register that in my mind and not break the uh one to one relationship conversation or whatever that I'm having with somebody, I now know that so that that conversation hasn't been broken uh my attention to them has not been fully broken, and I can just register this thing in my mind so that the next time that I get a chance to attend to my my calendar or my messages or whatever else is I have going on, then I can go check it if If the Apple watch only provided that service for me, that would be worth it. And I'm really, really looking forward to to the to the uh, uh, fixing of the of the OS that I hope is going to be happening here in in the fall. Oh, it's for real. I I went down that road, man. <laughs> I put the beta on my phone. I uh, I I went down the, uh, the the coal mine in the cage, and it's I I, I was scared. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. I mean, it when it comes out everybody's going to really like it. We're going to talk about that more on the show when it happens, but I, I absolutely agree with you. Also as somebody who has meetings with people where they want my full attention, but I have other things going on that also need, I need notifications on, uh, with the silent tap on your wrist. A lot of times I know exactly what the tap is when it comes in, because I'm expecting something and, um, to be able to later in a subtle fashion, just glance at your wrist and know what happened. Uh, it is really uh, a nice benefit of that watch. Absolutely, it also keeps me on task. So if I'm if I've scheduled, let's say, a half an hour or an hour meeting with someone, and and I feel a little tap going on, I know what's going on. I know that either the next meeting is coming up or something else on my calendar is is uh, well, depending on the tap, right? Because you can set up different taps, and uh, and so I know what's going on. I'm like, okay, now it's this time. I don't have to look at the clock and especially when you're dealing with someone if they're if like you said they want their you want they want your full attention you need to be fully attentive to them especially a lot of the conversations I'm in they're emotionally charged there's a lot of stuff going on if I start gazing back and forth at the clock they start perceiving that I'm not interested in them anymore and I I, I don't want to give that I don't want to give that sense to people right that's that doesn't that harms what we're actually trying to accomplish in that appointment. So, so the Apple watch really does provide a service there to me, um, a big one. I won't, I won't go on it at length, but uh, the, the directions when I'm ever in an urban environment are also super useful on the Apple watch. I don't know if you've had a occasion to use that or not. 
Oh, yeah. No, I'm visiting people's homes to do house blessings or uh, funerals, burials, I, I, just going to people's homes and everything. I couldn't I couldn't get from here to the gas station without the turn-by-turn directions at this point. Me too, brother. So besides the notifications and the taps, which I agree is one of my most used features of the watch, are you using it for anything else at, at this point? Any fitness tracking or any third-party apps or any other features? Well, a couple things. One, uh, it's actually been, this is a completely separate, uh, but I'm using it right now to track my, my heart rate. Uh, the last time I was at the doctor's, or I was actually, at, it's complicated. I had this thing that had to be done, a procedure, and the nurse detected an irregular heartbeat. And so now I'm looking at that to track it uh, to see, to get as much data as possible so that when I go see my, my, my doctor, uh, we can we can have a a conversation about that, so we can figure out what's going on there because it seems to be a new a new issue. So there's that. I'm trying to do I I try to uh, do hydration because I'm really bad about drinking water, uh, and so I've been I've been doing that. Um, other little things here and there. I I have. I have various complications on to uh, to keep me going. I again because of another health problem, I had uh, a problem with uh, blood clots and and pulmonary embolisms, and so I try and make sure that I don't sit for too uh, long a time. And so the Apple Watch has been helpful to remind me to stand up uh, and to walk around. Uh, movement uh, because our our life uh, life as a priest is very sedentary in many ways. You're sitting down a lot. You're in one place a lot, and so to be able to to stand up and be aware of that is important. That's that's pretty much it. I don't have much time in my schedule for like to go on a run or do these other things, but those little things are extremely helpful. So you're managing your calendar. It sounds like using digital tools. Mm-hmm. Um, you've mentioned email, but we haven't really gone there. Um, wh- what kind of email load are you dealing with and how are you keeping it all going? I, I usually receive, now this is from various sources, whether it's, whether it is, um, business related, family, friends related, or, or, um, you know, other, I, I usually get a hundred, couple hundred emails a day. And, and so I have always been looking for email, um, programs that will, uh, different applications that can triage that very well. And I've never been a hundred percent satisfied with anything that I was using except for now. Uh, well, there's still some problems with airmail. That's what I'm using these days on all on all my devices. I love I, I'm in love with airmail. Uh, it's such a great application, and uh, except for the the minor problems, the little bugs that it has, and yeah, it's so close, but those bugs are are rough. The search is driving me crazy, but anyway, so th- that's there. Yeah, there's there's little bugs, there's little problems, but all in all, I am willing to deal with the bugs that it has because of the other services that it offers me, including you know the ease of sending things over to Fantastical or to create some other sort of list if I need to just create a task list or to shoot something into OmniFocus or whatever. I I I, I really really appreciate uh, the thought and the work that has gone into Airmail, and, and again, it's something that it works the way I think already, and so I don't have to make a a huge translation of my own habits and practices. It fits in well with that. I, I use that app exclusively for a few weeks, and and I almost stuck with it. The thing that ultimately chased me away was the inline reply. I do email replies with inline, and okay. The inline replies, at least as of about six weeks ago, it's just 
it doesn't change the formatting. So if you go on a reply and you hit a couple carriage returns, it's using the same uh, reply formatting as, as the rest of the message that you're replying to. So it's not clear to the recipient what part they wrote and what part you wrote. That's right. I, 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 I actually tried to do that, uh, recommended by, by your book, in fact, or your, your field guide. And I found uh, the the inline. I stopped doing it because just even when I wasn't using AirMail, when I was using just uh, Apple's uh, Mail app, uh, which is good for that, it works really well. Uh, people are not accustomed to that, and it was confusing them in in the conversation. So I've defaulted back to the just reply, and it's on top of everything else, and people go back. So as a result, accommodating to these other people that I work with or that I'm in constant contact with. Um, airmail ends up working out fine, but I can understand that concern. I think that's I think that's a, a good concern that you should you should follow but, radar on that. Oh, they're aware they're aware of it. Oh, <laughs> oh good. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll watch it because there's the keyboard shortcuts and the sharing is really good. I I am current. We just did a show on email about a couple months ago, and right now I've kind of reverted to I'm using a combination of Dispatch and Apple Mail. But I think Airmail could be the one that I use for everything if they just fixed a few things. Yeah, dispatch was the previous. Dispatch was my previous email uh, client. So yeah, yeah. Do you have a kind of a, a habit around the way you deal with email? I mean, how do you triage it? I mean, I would imagine someone in your position can get emails that are very important out of the blue. Uh, so you've probably got to keep a pretty good eye on it as you go through your day. I I do, but I have. Every morning, I have half an hour that I've given myself to deal with inboxes in general. So I just move quickly. Uh, first of all, I just look at things and like, do I need to respond to this now or not? If not, snooze. Uh, the snooze feature is one of the most important things uh, for me. I, I can kick the can down the road. So do I need to respond to this now or no? If not now, then I'll respond to it later. Do I have time later today or do I need to do it tomorrow? So then I'll kick it to tomorrow. Will this? I, so I may try and make very quick decisions about all the messages in my in my inboxes. So not just email, but my physical inbox, which I have two of, one for the parish, one for my my job in the community, my the, as procurator for the community. But then also but also other things like um Twitter, Facebook, all these other things, uh these these are all inboxes as well. And so I've just created a habit, I guess myself, a habit of to quickly look at an email and, and make a judgment about it. Do I need to respond to this now or not? And then I go on and, and I can usually, I can usually blast through my, my inbox that way in about a half an hour. Sometimes it takes me a little bit longer, but, but generally about a half an hour. You mentioned Twitter and Facebook. I have never really thought of a priest as having social media presence, but uh, granted the priests that I've always thought about have been from my childhood. And, and as I've, I've grown up, you know, probably from a, a different era, how important is that now uh, in terms of connecting with your parish and connecting with the community? It's essential. Uh, the, a Facebook page for the parish is just as important as a just as important as having a website. Just as important as having a parish bulletin. These are all these are all different parts of the same thing. It's about communicating presence, who you are, what you're doing, and because everybody everybody and their aunt Sue is is on Facebook. It's important to have all that presence. So one of our one of our employees, she's uh, she's primarily a scheduler and, and whatnot, but she also manages our social media uh, face by and large. But myself and one of the other priests here uh, manage posting and doing other things 
uh, concrete things uh, about what's going on or you know messages or or items that are important to think about or to know about uh, on our on our Facebook page for the parish. Now my own personal one is a little different. Uh, I've been I've been doing work I guess you could say on social media ever since 2001 starting with you know forums and BBSs and stuff and 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 uh, that was directly in response to a call from John Paul II uh, to that that uh, clergy and religious should should be in that space in in the online social media space way back in 2001 and so I've been part and parcel of that and actually in some ways uh, things like Facebook and and Twitter have been part of are part of my workflow they they factor into the preparation for sermons and lectures and talks and different things and and also just keeping in touch with people and and promoting uh, things that are going on that's the biggest thing promoting events so if the parish promotes something you know they have a following and then I'll you know then I'll share it as well or retweet it and I have I have fairly large followings on well at least on Facebook my my Twitter isn't gigantic but um, uh, Facebook more so and and uh and yeah, so it's it's important for that kind of getting the word out. Like this is what we're doing. This is what's going on. You know, come hang out, uh, come see what we're doing. Now, is the older generation embracing that, or uh, what's the reaction? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, the, so many of them are on are on social media. You have the entire age range. I mean, from here here in the in my own community, there's we have the oldest priest in the community. He's 102. He's the oldest and oldest in the province in this whole West Coast. Yeah, yeah, Father Duffner, he's great. And then I'm the youngest priest uh, in the community, and and then we have everything in between. And and Father Duffner and Father Pascal, those guys, the one who's uh, um, 102 and the other one, 101, 102, and the other one who's about 88, they don't have a social media presence. But Father Gerald, who's a, who's in his early 80s, 84, he does. And he's constantly doing stuff there, with mostly with friends and, and family. And then um, myself and Father Dismas, we do we're, – we're more engaged on social media. And then Father Vincent, who's our age, uh, who's the pastor, uh, he – he does not. He doesn't even have a Facebook account. He's like, I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that stuff. So, so, so we manage it. Yeah, it's so it's just like the rest it, of the world. There's some folks it, that are jumping on, and some that are saying, I'm not sure about that. It really is. I mean, I, I could. I mean, uh, there's so many things when you learn in it. When you live, in, when you live in a community with people from all the way from the age of, let's say, I think the youngest in, in the community, and well, not in this community, but in the province, like early twenties to 100 and 102 you learn a lot a lot about how technology um is helpful and not uh in amongst the different generations and how each one approaches it it's very very interesting sociologists could earn a huge living just studying that this episode of the mac power users is brought to you by one password for a limited time sign up for their new subscription service and get six months for free Sadly, there are a lot of people on the internet that want to break into your accounts. If you're going to protect your information and your money, you're going to need someone smarter than those hackers on your side. And that's where 1Password comes in. 1Password is developed by a whole team of smart people absolutely dedicated to protecting your data. Using 1Password, you get rock-solid security combined with the convenience of a simple system that anyone can use. We've heard from so many listeners that finally tried 1Password and then wrote in to tell us how much they love it. 
1Password doesn't just help you generate and remember secure passwords. It can also securely store data, files, and provide you with a level of security that simply isn't possible on your own. There are versions of 1Password for the Mac, the iPad, the iPhone, for Android, and even Windows. And this month, there's a big announcement from the team at 1Password. They now have a subscription service. For years now, the people at 1Password have been working on this state-of-the-art hosted service to protect you and your data. This allowed them to roll out 1Password for teams and families. I have a 1Password family subscription and we love it. Now 1Password has an individual hosted service and I'm encouraging you to check it out. With this new service, you get built-in automatic sync across all of your devices. Data loss protection. Because 1Password is hosting the data, you get web access to your data in a safe and secure fashion. They even have a new item history so you can restore deleted or changed items. The new hosted individual system also supports secure document storage and a brand new multi-factor security model. Put simply, all of those years of work 1Password has put into this hosted model is paying off, giving you a bunch of additional new features. With a 1Password subscription, you get access to all of their applications on all of the supported platforms, and it's just $2.99 a month. If you sign up before September 21, you get six months for free. If you'd prefer to use the standalone app and not become a subscriber, 1Password will support that as well. So head over to onepassword.com slash MPU and check out the new hosted services for 1Password. If you want to try 1Password for teams or families, Mac Power users, listeners get 20% off at that link. Take control of your passwords today at onepassword.com slash MPU. And my thanks to 1Password for their support of the Mac Power users. I also noticed that you have your own website and, and those types of things. Um, are you allowed to continue to main, maintain? How much of an independent presence are you allowed to continue to maintain with your job? And, and how do you, do you juggle that? Because you are a very public person uh, with what you do. Yes. Well, there's, there's a balance. Uh, every, every once in a while I get a, I get a message from somebody saying, Hey, you might, might want to say that a different way, but, or, <laughs> or something, you know, uh, um, someone who's in charge, you know, but, uh, yeah, there's that there's, there's also, I mean, I have, I own my own, um, uh, website, which I don't keep up anymore. I don't really have time. Even if I did keep it up, I, I just don't have time to do it right now. Uh, I just, Actually, I just rebuilt the parish's website using Squarespace, and it's been wonderful. Everybody's very happy with that. Um, so, independent stuff, yeah, there's that, but also, but also the corporate stuff that, and they all feed together. It's it's hard to it's hard to explain as as a public person who's who's you're always a public person as as a as a priest as religious. There there is no no more a private person. It's Everything is is very oddly intermingled with with the public, um, the public uh, organizations and, and institutions that you are associated with. So, so uh, what sort of what sort of independent uh, individual you could say presence are you allowed? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows yet. I think we're still trying to figure that all out. Quite frankly. Now, I'd like to move over to the the research and writing and presenting you're doing, because in addition to, you know, all the other work you do, you're you're still a writer and a presenter. Yeah, yeah. And that's and and, and also researcher. I mean, I'll be I'm going to start working on a 
on a on a paper to present for a colloquium next year. And so yeah, all these things are 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 constantly there. And but I can tell you the first thing that I can tell you right right off the bat is that everything starts on paper, on pieces of paper for me. Okay. That is that is that is number one. That, well, now, now let me back up there. So when you say it starts on a piece of paper, are you going to the library or are you printing out things from the internet? I mean, I'm not really sure what you mean by that. No. So uh, I always, so yeah, so everyone has different process and that's what we're talking about workflows, right? So um, when it comes to sermons, lectures, presentations, paper topics, uh, anything, anything that is going to be uh, presented and has to be systematic and and researched and thought through. Everything begins on a on a piece of paper, and I start I start with brain just basic brainstorming. What is the what needs to be communicated? What is the what is the message? Uh, what are my restrictions on that message? For instance, if it's a homily, then it needs to be restricted to uh, a sort of an articulation of the readings uh, at mass for that day. And so I'm like, okay, so it needs to be on the readings. Now, what are the readings? And then I list the readings, go read the readings, go back to the piece of paper and say, okay, these are the topics that I think are important. And that that process is informed by other things that I'm doing. Um, so the gathering of the information necessary to do these, these different projects. Part of it is if it's a, a sermon or a homily, surely – it has to be there has to be a practical dimension to it. So, uh, news, uh, current events, uh, current uh, blog topics uh, or other research topics uh, on on um, on the particular issue that I might be talking about, whether those are are popular sources or scholarly sources, I'll, I'll use both. I'll draw from whatever 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 I find compelling. And draw all of these, all those different ideas together, and and study them, and look at them, and analyze them, and and just sketch out on a on a piece of paper, uh, sort of the direction that I want to take with any of these these types of presentations. So, I, 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 when you were saying it all starts on paper, I imagine these binders full of research that you're going through. But maybe you're saying you're planning it on paper. Yeah, and that's that's kind of it. So I I try and keep everything. There's an old an old system someone taught me years ago. I think when I was in middle school about trying to trying to keep that planning process, sort of that 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 very high level planning process on one sheet of paper and, and one side of one sheet of paper. And so that's what I do. Uh, if if I need if I need to think through something. I just have a piece of paper and I start physically writing on it. I, I need something about the way that I work. I need sort of that physical, that physical medium uh, to sort of get the creative juices going. Once, once I have that, then it gets translated into an electronic format. So then I'll take what effectively what I'm doing is I'm just outlining effectively. And, and then I take that outline and I put it in something electronic afterwards. And are you a strict outliner or do you doodle and sketch note off to the size or is it, is it pretty strict outline format? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm obsessed. I, I, this is why I could never take notes in school because I was more focused on the formatting of the, the format of the outline than I was on listening to the lecture. I'm just really bad at yes. that. The Oxford model, I just, I get obsessed with it anyway. So yeah, but if I'm listening to my own mind, then I, it's easier, but yeah, so it's a strict, it's just a strict, um, you know, Oxford, I think it's the Oxford model is what I was taught. 
and and I just do that, and then I I throw it up into whatever um, application I think will work better uh, or where I'm at. So if I'm if I'm doing this. If I'm doing this on a plane or if I'm doing this while I'm traveling, then it goes into drafts usually first and then moves elsewhere afterwards. Uh, or it goes into NV Alt usually uh, on, on the Mac. Before we move too far into the digital medium, because we are a podcast network that includes a show called The Pen Attic, I feel that I'm obligated to ask you, do you have a preferred writing utensil or a, a preferred um, a pad of paper that you use for these? Or is it just whatever happens to be handy? Because some people are very specific with their tools. Yeah, in 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 fact, um, I'm using right now, I'm using the a Block Rodia uh, number 14 for my basic sort of scratch pad. That's that's what I use. I also use uh, Aqua Notes in the shower. Uh, I'm also a shower thinker. Oh boy! Oh yeah, God, I love those things. I, you know, I have gotten so much trouble for talking about Aqua Notes on this show. I can't tell you why they're they're amazing. I I hear about it all the time. <laughs> I, Especially I have people write in and say, my wife thinks I'm crazy and it's your fault. That's usually how it starts. <laughs> that's excellent. No, I'm glad no one else goes in this shower. I'm the only one that sees it. If, if they went in there, it's, yeah, no, it's crazy. It's, it is. <laughs> so it's, it's almost like one of those, uh, what, what do they call them? Those, those crazy walls, you know, where you have the, all the strings attached. It's like, okay, this person's like writing indecipherable code on this paper in their showers. Yeah, it is a little strange, but it works. Okay, I, I have a question. I, I've just, I've never asked before, but I, but I have to, I, I get that it's waterproof paper. What's the writing utensil? It's just a pencil. Standard old pencil. Yeah. Number two pencil. All right. Yeah. Father Gabriel, tell me this though. I, uh, something that I am obsessed with is that, that initial planning process that you do on paper. I do it digitally, but it sounds like we kind of do the same thing. Okay. Now, how do you, how long does it take and what is the the workflow? Do you sit down and say, I'm going to spend the next four hours hammering this out? Or is it something you do over time? I mean, generally, how do you go about planning? I, I do it over time. So I, uh, well, A, it depends on how much time I have. So if it's going to be a homily for a day, then there's a very, very short process. But let's say I'm planning for, you know, a Sunday homily, which tends to be more important because it's recorded, it's broadcasted, all those sorts of things. That starts a week in advance. And so I, I'll, I'll read the readings for the next Sunday and then I'll, I'll um, kind of think about them, pray about them. Then when, when the muse hits, which is oftentimes in the shower, because like I said, I'm a shower thinker, uh, I just start scribbling. And it goes there or while I'm sitting at my desk responding to emails or anything else, then I'll scribble more on the, on the notepad. And, and, uh, to, to more fully answer your, your question, Katie, I, uh, I do, I have a couple of fountain pens that I use with some, some nice ink that, again, things that friends have bought for me that, cause there's, I got, it's just, I really do have amazing friends. Your friends must think you're crazy. No. Yes, they do. They do. But in a good way. So that's, that's, yeah. So I've got that. And, um, and, and I just, I have all these little scraps of paper. And then what happens is I take all those scraps of paper and I throw them into my inbox, my physical inbox. And then every day I go through that inbox and I, in a sense, recollect those things. And when it's time, when it's, when it's time to put them together, when the sort of the, all the creative juices have, have come together for a cohesive 
uh, thought, and not just thought, but a direction, then I bring them all together, I put them in electronic format, and then I start organizing them in a much more stricter sort of way. And then, and then based off of the outline that I create there, then I start doing more of the, what I would call the, the scholarly or the academic or the more, more diligent research. So first of it, first, first is just musing. It's based off of the education that I've already received, this, the life, the life of study that I live, that, that stuff is already sort of built into my life and that forms that creative process. Then when I want to be more specific and I want to get more detailed or learn more about a particular topic, that's when I go and I attack uh, new research, go out and actually search for new things to know about a particular topic or a subtopic. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and, and once you start going into the digital realm, at some point you've got something you want to start working with. What are the tools you use for that? So as I said, I, let's say I'm, I'm sitting here at my desk. NVAlt comes up. I create a, an outline with NVAlt, and then I, then I hit uh, my RSS feed. That's what my, that's my RSS feed is for. It's, it is primarily a way for me not to get so much news, but relevant topics f- to preach on. Uh, so, so some of it is news, some of it is tech news, some of it is is uh, world news, church news, whatnot. But a lot of a lot of the uh, RSS feeds that I have have to do with various philosophical or theological topics, and and so I just try and keep up with those as I find as I find something that I. And again, I go through I go through my RSS. Um, uh, the RSS reader is a choice that I like to use of our, our reader on the Mac and then unread on, on iOS. And I treat those like an inbox. I, I go through them and then I send them off to, to Instapaper uh, to read later because I don't have time at that moment. And then I use the various search functions or as I've read things, let's say in, in Instapaper, if I find that this particular article or that particular article is going to be interesting or I think it might be important to some other work that I'm going to do or I just have a sense. I don't have a, a clear ratio, as I'd say. I don't have a clear sort of rule that I follow of what I say for later and what I don't. But after I've read an article, I say, you know what, this is a really good article. I want to save this for later. And that's when it goes into Pinboard and and uh, and I tag it um, and and it's through pinboard that I recall most of my most of my uh, researched or read data from online. Now I also have another source. I have a belt and suspenders approach. I, I also create a running index in um, in uh, Dropbox, and I do that with an if this and that uh, recipe. And so I have a running a, a running index of. Everything, everything that I have, everything that I have starred on, on everything that I favorited, everything that I've you know starred on the different uh, social media things, and anything that I've sent over to Pinboard, it all gets indexed. And how often do you need to use that the belt or suspenders? However, you look at it, how often do you get into that? Uh, nowadays, the search functions are just so good. The search function of of Pinboard is so good that I can just go in there and usually find what I need very quickly. Uh, so I don't need it that often, but it's just a redundancy there just in case. Uh, I learned that habit many, many years ago when we didn't have these sorts of search functions. We didn't have um, 
you know, is before I, I learned some of these these habits before there was a Google search, right? And and so I've just kept I've kind of kept them up out of habit more than maybe out of need. Now, in addition to giving presentations, though, you also do some writing. I understand. Yes. What happens when that piece of paper that you've been doing this thinking on is going to turn into something you're going to write? How do you, is, does that change anything? Is it still going to NVL or do you do something else with it? Well, it starts in NVL, but then it goes, nowadays it goes to pages. I, I've used all sorts of different, um, so many, so many different word processing applications uh, on both iOS and, and on the Mac. But quite frankly, right now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much settled on pages as my primary uh, writing application. And, and I'm happy with it. I, I, there's certain things with it that could be better, and I expect they're going to be better. And fortunately, I don't have to do much collaboration in these documents, except for maybe uh, working with an editor if I'm doing an article for a, for a, for a, a newspaper or an online source. Uh, but but uh, that's that's a separate question, and they're usually able to work with me on that in different ways. And and no one has been unhappy using Pages for that so far that I've worked with. So um, so I've I've really simplified. Uh, at first, you know, when there was all those different text editors coming out, I, I think I've purchased every single one of them. I I I really do. I have so many that I've purchased. I'm kind of an enabler on that, so I apologize. <laughs> you are. You you have you have you have cost me a lot of my allowance. Yes. So the so the the um. But but I I uh, I, I look at all of them and I see again. It's that question is. You know, does this work with the way that I think and does it serve my needs? Do I need more? Do I need less? Like editorial. I love editorial, but I realized when I was creating uh, the different things in editorial, I was effectively recreating my own version of Microsoft Word. And I was like, I, I don't need this. I don't want Microsoft Word. Why, why do I keep creating new buttons? I don't need this. So I, I pulled myself away from that and I just said, okay, let's see how Pages works and it works fine. So that's where I go unless unless it's going to be a really long format. If it is going to be a long format, I use Scrivener. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wrote my I wrote my master's my master's thesis with Scrivener, uh, and I have a couple ideas for a couple books that will be put into Scrivener. So, and it's it's very helpful. I don't use it the way that I could. Uh, I don't I haven't used it, as, it with all of its robust tools, but. I will eventually. I just haven't really been able to to do that deep dive into Scrivener yet myself. Well, well frankly, you don't have to. I mean, that's one of the nice things about it. it. It has a lot of extra dials you can use, but you don't need to if, if the way you work. I, I frankly am not a power user of the app, but I get a lot of work done in the app, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Makes perfect sense to me. How much of your writing do you do on iOS? Uh, a lot because I no longer have a laptop. I gave up using the laptop. Mm. Yeah, I'm one of those crazy people that uh, that went uh, iPad only, and so I use I use an iPad. It, it it solves two problems. One, I can no longer be the person to 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 be called to fix a uh, a uh, network that has crashed because I don't have a laptop to plug into the system. Okay, <laughs> which is self-preservation. <laughs> self-preservation, yeah. And then, and so there's that. But also, I have, I really do like using the iPad, and I'm, I'm curious about how the iPad Pro would be for that. I don't use it as much as I used to in this job, in this work that I'm doing now as a parish priest. I don't use the iPad as much, 
when I was a student, I used it completely. Uh, I, uh, Katie, I wish I was listening to your your trials and tribulations with with using the iPad, uh, taking notes, and and in school. And I, I I personally found it very helpful for me. So, which which iPad are you rocking now? I it's the one right before they included the uh, the the Touch ID sensor. Um, my friend, my friend at Zitron, he he gave he has handed me down his his previous one. So I don't remember exactly which generation it is, but it's probably the the iPad Air. Uh, yeah, it's, it's yes, it's the iPad Air. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay, and then do you use an external keyboard or a keyboard case? Nope. I, t- I type on glass and then I've become very effective at it. I, I, I'm fast. I'm fa- I think I'm faster on glass than I am on a keyboard at this point. I, I will tell you, I have found myself using the, um, the keyboard cover on that 9.7 inch iPad quite a bit. And I just can, I, I can fly on that thing. I'm like, wow, I just typed out this whole four paragraph email on my iPad in 30 seconds or less. It really is amazing, isn't it? I mean, at at first, I was super skeptical, but then as I started to do it and I forced myself to use it, um, I also uh, there was a time where I I would bring the the Apple keyboard along uh, with I had one of those origami cases and everything, and I would use that. But I just went back to just using the glass and and that keyboard. It's it's fine. It works. It's not standard typing. You have to modify the way you type, but it's it's can be pretty quick. And, you know, um, I, I can't use just an iPad. There's a lot of stuff I do. I still need a Mac for, but the idea of using an iPad only there's, there's some real benefit to it. You know, like all that overhead you have with managing, you know, your utilities and making sure everything's working and you know all the little, you know, fiddly things we do on Macs, which I, I grant you is a small percentage of the fiddly things I used to do with a PC to keep it working, but they are there. Um, all that just goes out the window with an iPad. It works. And if it doesn't work, you reboot it. And usually it works then. And that is really nice to ta- just take all that out of your life in one fell swoop, as they say. And I'm, I'm very much a, an aficionado of that whole mentality. Like I said, I, I'm trying to get things that work for the way I already think. And so I want to limit in some ways, limit my options. There's too many options, and and that can that can lead you down all sorts of rabbit holes, right? So, I want to clear away those options and those distractions and focus on what I'm focusing on right now. Just like even on the on the Mac, I I'm a, I tend to be one of those people that's become a heavy user of, of full screen apps because it fo- it for it forces me to limit my focus, and then I can switch over with gestures and and change my focus. But right now I'm dealing with this thing and I'm giving it my complete attention and then I'll move to the next thing. And I've I've found that very for me anyway, very efficient and very effective. So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Hover. When you have a great idea for a project, blog, store, startup, whatever, you need a great domain name. And finding the perfect domain name is ridiculously easy with Hover. One of my favorite features of Hover, and I use them for all of my domain names, is that it's really easy to connect all of your favorite services to Hover. Just recently, I wanted to connect a new Squarespace site to Hover, and it was super easy because I could connect Hover and Squarespace together with just a few clicks. And if you ever need a hand for something more complicated 
or maybe something you're not really comfortable with, Hover has an awesome support team that's there to help you. You can give them a call and an actual person will pick up the phone and answer whatever questions you have. There's no phone trees, no being transferred. The person who picks up the call is going to take ownership of your issue and help you out. And they have dozens of great support articles. So chances are you'll be able to find exactly what you need on their website. And if you do need to call them, know that they're there to help. So you can find the perfect domain name for your idea by going to hover.com and using the promo code BEYOND, B-E-Y-O-N-D, you know, like Star Trek Beyond, to save 10% off your first purchase. So thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So let's talk about the fact that you stand up in front of a group of people and talk every day. Mm -hmm. I. I, I, I've often felt because we have a lot of listeners who are uh, uh, preachers of one denomination or another, and I've often felt that that um, you guys are master presenters because you have so much experience. I think if everybody had that opportunity to stand up in front of a group every day, you would just naturally get better at it. Um, uh, what has been your experience as you you've kind of been going through this process? Has it got easier for you or harder? And and what are the things you're taking away? Well, there's two things. The first thing that, that I always try to remember is something that um, our brother St. Thomas Aquinas said uh, about the distinction between preaching and teaching. He says that preaching is ordered primarily to move the will and teaching is ordered to primarily move the intellect. Now, you you do both with both, but it's a matter of emphasis. And so... So as I, as I develop, I guess, as a preacher and as a teacher, it's trying to keep those, keep those spheres separate enough that, that I don't become a lecturer when I'm supposed to be preaching and I don't become a preacher when I'm supposed to be lecturing. Uh, because if you mix those things too much, if you become, if you become a lecturer when you're preaching, it, 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 again, it goes, it, it lacks a certain freshness. In fact, I was, I was, it was funny. I was listening the other day on the radio to, uh, an old, an old, uh, recording of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And he was a famous, uh, personality, uh, back in the day. He had the highest rated television program, even in, in the United States at, at one time. And, uh, Fulton Sheen, he was, he was, he was apologizing because he had not gotten to exactly where in the notes he had wanted to get in this in this particular lecture he was giving, and he said the reason why is because he was working without notes, and and he said however however uh, it reminds him of of what the what the uh, what the Irish woman said about watching the bishop preach from a from from a piece of paper, and she said glory if he can't remember it. How can you expect us to? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> so there's there's an important thing there. The important thing is that is that um, in some sense preaching is personal, whereas as teaching is in in a classical sense intellectual, and and if you want to reach somebody, you have to make it. You have to make an. Uh, you have to make a distinction. Are you trying to preach to someone, or are you trying to educate them? And and there's slightly different emphasis going on in each of those models and modes of presentation. And being able to clearly distinguish between that, I think, is the first and most important thing that I've learned over the years. That doesn't mean that teaching is not dynamic. That's that's also a, a further sort of distinction. There's still there still can be this dynamism within 
uh, teaching, but uh, there has to be a sobriety to it that you don't necessarily have to have in 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 preaching. And one of the most important things, quite frankly, is to learn to use the fear of preaching uh, or speaking in front of people, use it to your advantage and, and sort of forcing yourself to look at the people that you're talking to. Uh, it's, it's like that old rhyme, you know, you can't go over, it can't go around it. You got to go through it. And, and that's, that's one of the ways to do it is to, is to, to look at the people, to actually look at who you're talking to. You're not talking to an abstract amorphous blob of, of, of human mass, right? You're actually talking to people who have lives and have histories and who have uh, hopes, desires, dreams. These are people you know. Like for me, especially at Mass, these are people that I know, people I've been to their homes, I know their children, I've heard their confessions. Like, and, and so I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm not talking to us. I'm talking to you. And, and that's an important thing to keep in mind for presentations of any sort. And one of the things you do that when we were talking to prepare for today is, is you don't use uh, like a keynote presentation every Sunday. I do not. You, you just, and, and you don't use notes. I don't. I, I, I work, I work without a net. That's, that's mm. not, not everyone can do that, but, but uh, not, not everyone's comfortable with that and not everyone should do that quite frankly. But, but I work without a net and, but what goes, what goes into that is a lot of preparation and planning beforehand. Uh, again, going back to Fulton Sheen, when he would prepare a half an hour for a half an hour uh, television program, he would prepare. He said that he would prepare one hour for every five minutes of airtime, and he would prepare it in a different language. So he would do it in French instead of English. And this was a way that he, for himself, that he would be able to know exactly what he was going to talk about, stay on task. And move forward, and and really know that he knew the material, that he wasn't just faking it. He wasn't he wasn't just a, a BSer, right? That he was actually um, knowledgeable and and imparting a message that was important. He knew it through and through, and he could impart it with grace and measure. And that's something that I strive for myself. That's what I want to be able to do and to be well. Uh, similar to him, he's he's kind of my he's actually sort of my example and model in that way. Now, have you always worked without any notes, or is that something that you've evolved over time? It's definitely an evolution. I used to write everything out. Then I then I found that it it I, I tried to do that, but I still ended up being stilted in my in my uh, presentations. It felt too mechanical to me or too academic. That was my that was my uh, danger. Is that when I wrote everything down, it either got too academic or too um, romantic, too too poetry esque, too you know that <laughs> I don't know ethereal. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. But uh, so then I switched to doing just uh, bullet points of topics and writing down. Let's say I, I want to end a certain way, and so I would end. I would have that written down, or there were certain things that I wanted to say in in a very specific. Uh, a sentence in a very specific construction, I'd write that down. Well, what I've done now is I've created that same sort of thing, but in my head. I'm sure that it, I'm sure that as I get older, I'm going to have to write it down again in that note format, uh, at least in those bullet points. But right now, I can I can part of my process involves sort of a visualization of what I'm going to be preaching on and how I'm going to say what I'm going to say when I'm going to say it 
when I'm going to take pauses, when I'm not. And and then after I give, let's say if it's a Sunday homily, I have to give, we do one preacher for all of the masses. So that's six masses over the weekend for us. Then I will reevaluate that for the next mass. And I will I will move things in my mind uh, and reconstruct things so that the next the next homily might be a little different, but I hit all of the major points. Uh, I just think that construction might work better. Or, quite frankly, the people are different. Some people that go to the 7 o'clock mass, you know, they're different than the people that go to the 11 o'clock mass. And so I, I will modify the emphasis in the, in the homily or the sermon to that group a little bit. So it gives me a little bit of flexibility. Because, again, I'm talking to people, not, not, a, not an abstract notion of people. Well, I, I think whether you're saving souls or selling widgets, it is a huge, you know, preparation is a huge deal. And the fact that you're spending that much time is the reason you're able to give up, stand up and give that presentation. I, I talked about presenter notes in the book, the presentations field guide. And I hear from people all the time who read the book and they're using it. And the funny thing that I get from people is they always say, you know, it's weird because by the time I started making presentations, kind of following the stuff you said in your book and a spoiler here, save you 10 bucks. The book is about preparation. (laughs) They said, it's funny. I don't really need presenter notes anymore. I can't really figure out why I don't need them anymore. And the reason is because you spent so much time thinking through how you want the presentation to flow, what, you know, what the emotional trip you're bringing people on that by the time you get to the, to give the presentation, you could, you could give it in your sleep. You could give it without the slides behind you or a piece of paper in front of you. And I, I suspect that's what you're doing too. Precisely, because you don't want to ever, ever, like if you are giving a presentation, I, I, like I said, I think I'm going to be giving this presentation in October, um, that I'll build a keynote presentation for and everything. But you never want to look at your keynote presentation unless you're doing that uh, by way of effect, right? That it's part of the joke or part of something. You're doing it on purpose. But if you have to give your presentation and if you have to look once at your slides, you failed. Like you, 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 you have to, you have to know it and live it and breathe it. It's part of you. This is your child, right? For the moment, this is your intellectual child. You're imparting to people. If you, if you don't know every contour of that presentation, then, then people can tell. People can tell that the love and the and the care has not been put into it. And as a result, people, at least at some level, they receive it as if you did not respect them because now they've taken their time to listen to you give a talk on some topic that they felt was important and they thought that you thought that it was important. But if you don't communicate that in your presentation with the excitement and the expertise, then then there's a little bit of resentment that will happen and you will not be able to communicate the message effectively. I, I want to get in the weeds just a little bit before we go on to the next topic. Um, one of the things you talked about is using photos in your slides and you made mention to the DuckDuckGo bangs feature. I don't think we've ever talked about that on the show. Could you explain that? Oh, I love it. I, I One of the ways that I'm able to search through things fairly quickly is by using DuckDuckGo and their bang, their bang features. So um, you go on DuckDuckGo or I have it. It's my default search for for all the Safari and everything through all the devices and you hit, you know, bang or and whatever. So exclamation point and let's say images. And then you put a space and then whatever you're searching for. Well, it will automatically send you to a secure version of uh, Google Images and bring those up for you. And you can search through them instead of having to go find the website and 
switch over. There's no, it saves just a moment of time. And this can be for anything. So if I, if I'm like, oh, I don't know exactly what the conversion rate is between dollars and uh, British pounds, and I need to go to England next month, uh, I just hit, you know, bang, W-A for- uh, Bang being exclamation point. That's right, exclamation point, uh, W-A, Wolfram Alpha, and then, you know, 70, 70 US dollars to British pounds, and then it takes me to Wolfram Alpha directly without going through DuckDuckGo, and, and there it is. It's, it's, a, it's a great feature if you can memorize their, their different conventions- and uh, even sometimes, instead of searching on DuckDuckGo, just as the search engine, I'll I'll put in you know Bang G, and it'll send me to to a Google search because that might actually be a better search engine for the particular thing that I'm looking for. It's a it's a great way to utilize not only a uh, uh, a search engine that doesn't track or bubble you, but also it gives you a power to use other web services and websites throughout the internet through a single interface. And I, I kind of like that. It's, it's really cool. I, I think if you haven't tried DuckDuckGo, it's in my mind, the first real alternative to Google. And I'm not going to say it's better than Google because in some ways it's not, but it is private. You know, they're not tracking you and it is got some hacks about it that people that like the Mac power users may really dig. So, so check that out. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by OmniFocus. Father Gabe is not the only one using OmniFocus to get important work done. OmniFocus is the power tool that many Mac Power users use to manage their lives. We all have a lot of commitments these days, and using OmniFocus, you can manage that. You can ignore the irrelevant and focus on what you need to do now. OmniFocus gives you tools like perspectives that let you work in a variety of ways and a whole review mechanism to allow you to stay on top of projects and goals. The developers and designers behind OmniFocus have worked hard to bring you an application that gives you that kind of power while at the same time being accessible and easy to use. Most recently, they've issued an update to OmniFocus for iPad and iPhone that allows you to create project templates. It's super powerful, and I use it all the time. Imagine if the next time you have a project for a class or a new client onboarding or you have to write a sales report, you could just fire off a script on your iPad or your iPhone and have OmniFocus auto-generate the 30 tasks you're going to need every time you do that type of project. You can do that now with OmniFocus, and it's fully customizable. It can relate to specific dates like deadlines. It can include the client name or the project name or the class name. With this new templating ability, anybody can automate this process, which allows you to spend less time planning and more time doing. If you're not using project templates on iOS OmniFocus, you should. Head over to the Omni Group website, and they'll show you how to get started. If you need additional help, check out the free sample of my OmniFocus video field guide and it should get you on your way. The fact that the Omni Group would release such a significant upgrade to the application, uh, enhancing the ability of the application so much without requiring a paid update is just one more reason why I love the Omni Group. They are passionate about creating the best productivity apps on the Mac, iPhone, and iPad. So head over to OmniGroup.com and check out OmniFocus. It's a beautiful app super powerful, and it can change your life. Thank you, Omni Group, for supporting the Mac Power Users. Well, Father Gabriel, in addition to all of these things we've been talking about, 
you made mention at the top of the show that you are also a project manager. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, as as uh, as I was mentioning to you before the show, um, I'm actually working on something that we're going to be doing this weekend, which is in honor of the 800th anniversary of the Dominican Order, which is this year. And um, and so we're doing an event this weekend, multiple speakers coming in from different parts of the country and organizing that or running RCIA programs, building a new catechesis for that, adult education, the different the different groups in the parish and um, and also new projects that have to be done, whether it's purchasing a new set of vestments or uh, planning a um, I've got this other this other uh, two or three other things that are bubbling up for next year that I'm already starting to plan. And these are sort of major projects. So, yeah. So this is the stay home dad with four businesses. Absolutely. So, so yeah, what I'm hearing. Exactly. <laughs> At any one time, how many like significant projects are you managing? Currently, I think I am in the midst. I, 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 I could tell you if I had a, uh, Omni focus out, but I currently have, I think seven or eight, what I would call major projects going on right now. And I'm going to be adding three to that probably after I get off (laughs) off the phone here with you guys. (laughs) So, so there's, yeah, there's, I'd say I probably always in the midst of at least five, probably closer to 10. So, so bring your geeky skills to to bear here tell us how you're doing this yeah please yeah so again it starts with proper calendaring that's that's number one but then again just like just like uh just like research for uh study for presentations for me everything begins on paper so and in this one projects projects for me always start uh in the shower. That's where, that's where I'm thinking about them. And they go on the aqua notes like, okay, so I need to get a hold of this person today and we've got this project or we've talked about this. How am I going to get this done? So oftentimes a project either it comes to me from a, a need in the parish or it's something that I would like to do to bring to the parish or bring to the archdiocese or some other group. And so if something that we've already talked about, well, then it's in my mind and then it, it starts getting brainstormed on either the Aqua Notes or the Roto Notepad. If it's something that is coming from myself, something that I would like to do and propose, then again, it starts on the piece of paper and I sort of write a very quick uh, outline of what would be needed. And so, for instance, I, I started I started the, the process of for this uh, event that I would like to do next year. Um, sort of a major weekend event. And I just wrote the title of it. And then I wrote names, potential names of presenters. And that's all I did. And that was enough for me to sort of begin this process. So I did that. And I sent an email to all of those people to see if they were interested. And, and then from there, they've all said yes so far. And, and now the project goes into Omni, uh, OmniFocus and then my next step will be asking permission to make it happen. So that's – and then all of the lines will start to, to to delineate. But that's where it starts. It starts on those pieces of paper and that helps me define I guess what I would call the scope of the project. Interesting. Listening to you, it also sounds to me like you're using the paper as a filter to decide which projects 
you know, actually come to life because we all have many project ideas and we can't do them all. Mm -hmm. That's right. I would guess that you've probably got pieces of paper in there that stay in the book for quite a while or maybe never get turned into an OmniFocus project. You are absolutely correct. Yes. Uh, I think some people I've, well, I think I know I've heard some people who use sort of the inbox of OmniFocus that way. They'll throw in, those are the potential projects, the things that are just, you know, sort of things on my bucket list, right? So I've got this bucket list and I will eventually get these things done, uh, but they just sit there. Well, I do the same thing, but with paper. And I just think, again, it's just my own creative process. I need some sort of physical medium. So then once I, once I have that, some sort of basic skeletal structure on that, then I start de- defining the uh, the parts of the project, actually. And that's that's where OmniFocus comes into great use for me. I Because then I am forced to OmniFocus, its structure and its limitations, force me to think about the project in an ordered way. And it forces me to think about it uh, in a realistic way of what can be realistically accomplished and what are the steps to accomplish each one of these intermediary goals in order to accomplish the entire task. And, and so being strict with myself, that's, that's part of it. Technology does not solve the problem of discipline. It, it can actually facilitate the opposite, but you, you still have to be disciplined. There is no technology that is going to help you with discipline. I feel like we can't say that enough on this show because we enable you. I mean, we say, look at this great tool and it can allow you to manage a project and you, you try it once and you're like, yeah, this works. So now I'm going to do 500 <laughs> projects. And then you start writing emails to your podcasting friend saying, you've ruined my life. I can't do anything now. I have so much going on. You have to, you have to make tough decisions. I mean, the point of this stuff is not that you can take on 500 projects, but you can finish the ones that are important to you and have a little time to play with your kids or go minister your flock or whatever it is that is you're passionate about. Well, precisely. And I've, I've, I mean, I was, before I was in the order, I was in the private sector and, and, and same in the order. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a boss, right? So I iron fire people and I've got employees and, and that was the case back then too. And if someone kept coming to me with great ideas that they never accomplished, then they're probably not going to work for me very long, right? Because I need someone that can, someone that can, can actually bring projects to termination, I, 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 idea people are great, but you need to, you need to have, they need to actually become realized. And, and that's what these things help me do because my natural tendency is to be sort of a dreamer. I, I want, I have these ideas and these wonderful like plans and they all work in my head, but, <laughs> but, but do they work in fact? And, and OmniFocus helps me maintain that. And so then I can keep track. I can keep track of what's getting done or if I'm getting behind on things because of the review process. And which again, cannot be emphasized enough. The review process on Omni, uh, in OmniFocus is really, really important. And, and being, again, disciplined enough to do that, the, the weekly review. So in any case, you're going to have to get into those project templates and OmniFocus. Too, I, know. That, I think <sighs> for you is going to be just golden. Totally exciting. I, 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 uh, yeah. So anyway, the, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that's going to be big. So, so then after the, um, after OmniFo and I get very detailed with OmniFocus, everything to, I need to call this person and send an email about this particular thing, not just, I need to email Doug about, about this, um, or 
I need to email Doug by this time in order to get this so that that can be done. That's where contexts come into play. So just getting very detailed in in using OmniFocus. That's what I do. And then uh, email. It's most of the communication that I end up doing with people for projects is through email, and that's including the staff here. They prefer to work with email. I've I've tried to tried to get them to use things like Slack and whatnot. It just it didn't or Asana, and it it didn't quite work with our group. Uh, but emails and text messaging tends to work really well. So so that's I accommodate to that, and and uh, so then emails back and forth and keeping track of that. Uh, I have a very, I have a separate, I do have a separate business email, a uh, parish email from my personal email. And I try and keep all of, I try and keep all of the quote unquote parish business uh, on that email address and everything else on the other ones. Uh, and that helps, again, it's a way of, of helping me stay on task. And if it's, uh, if if a task requires or one of these projects requires multiple people to get together in a meeting, which it usually does, that is not just the staff here because it's easy with the staff. We can we can schedule a meeting. We have regularly scheduled meetings. But if I need to gather people from the community and say, hey, we need to have a meeting to talk about X, I like to use Doodle. Mm. And I found it very effective to, uh, to sort of uh, get everybody's availability. It's a free service. It keeps the 50 emails back and forth from people. Precisely, which can just be, that actually ends up, again, this whole issue of time and attention beforehand. If you're having to sort through 30,000 emails between everybody and people missing emails and not knowing, it, it, it just, email gets a mess and uh, Doodle helps. It helps organize and streamline that process. And just tell, because there's some people listening, I'm sure they've never heard of it, so Tell us about it quickly. Yeah, it Doodle is very simple. It, it's it's a, you put in people's name, you put in the project, and you you put in proposed dates, uh, dates and times uh, for a particular meeting, and a message is sent to everybody, and they 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 get that message. They click the link, they go to the page, and they're able to check whether they have availability on any of those predefined days that you have days and times that you've predefined for them, and then finally. Once you work through that, you're able to narrow it down to what is the most likely day or the best day for the entire group, and then you can pull the trigger on it and just say, "Hey, okay, so what worked out in Doodle was this, and so we're going to meet at this time at this at uh, on this day." It's it's got it's such a great service, and I'm still surprised that by and large it's free. I mean, there's there are some power features I've never had to use for the paid version, but the the free version, the free functions are are plenty. And the nice thing is when you send it out, the, the recipient does not need to create a Doodle account or anything. They click a link and they, they then they click a few boxes as to their availability. Yeah. Which I, I, the big barrier is if they have to log in. You know, if you have one of these services where they have to create an account, then you've just lost like 80% of the people you're sending it to. Yeah, that's that's that was that was actually my first barrier to Asana, people that didn't have uh, a, a Gmail account, which I'm surprised there are still people that don't have a Google account. And and uh, and same with Slack, is getting people to use another service is actually a barrier to entry. What what's the hardest part of what you're doing and where technology has provided you some assistance? I would say the oh, as far as project management is concerned, or all no, things just, combined. Just overall, I mean, looking at all these things you're doing. 
Yeah, well, I, I asked that question partly. What what is the? Uh, I guess I'm getting out of practice, Katie. I don't do that many depositions anymore. Uh oh. <laughs> what what are the big problems that technology has helped you out with? The the biggest problems are I I always it's like most things they happen somewhere between the back of the chair and the front of the desk. So so <laughs> it's the, the problem is is me and and technology helps keep me on 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 track and on task and organized. Uh, like, like I said, and you can probably tell just in the way, the way that I communicate, it's uh, tends to be very free association in many ways. And technology doesn't work that way. Technology uh, wants things to be ordered and structured. And so it forces that creative thinking that, um, almost the natural sort of mind map way of thinking, uh, it forces it into straight lines, and that's what I—that's what I need. I need something to help filter the chaos, uh, the constant spinning wheel of the mind, into something that is uh, readable and discernible and actionable. And that's the biggest part—is the actionable. And and these tools, each of these tools that we, we've spoken about, that I know that many of guests have spoken about, uh, many of these, many of these. Uh, these uh, various applications and technologies and services, but these help provide that structure so that, so that I'm not the stumbling block to getting things done. I think you've just summed up personally, uh, very beautifully, something that we strive to talk about and help all of our listeners with on Mac power users, because that's, that's what we're all looking for with our technology. Oh, you do a good job at it, and, and I thank you for it. Thank you. Uh, Father Gabriel, where can people find you if they want to follow you, if they want to learn uh, a little more about uh, your parish and, and what you do? Where can we send people? Well, I'm I'm Luke I4655 on pretty much all the things, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, everywhere. <laughs> it's, uh, and that's L-U-K-E-I-4655. So Twitter... Facebook, uh, the parish is holyrosarypdx.org. And, um, and, and my own, uh, my own site, which I don't update anymore is, uh, really, uh, is, uh, eight way, the eighth way, uh, dot com. So that's, those are the primary places, but I say these days, primarily Twitter and Facebook. And that, that actually plays into, it's, it, it all is a part, everything here, even the social media is all part of the process as well. Well, Father Gabriel, I think your parishioners are very lucky to have you, uh, you know, just knowing you for all these years, you really bring this this knowledge of technology that you have to bear and and bringing better service to the people around you. And, and that's all we could all ask for. So so thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't wait to hear how your journey continues. And um Katie, where can you find the show notes for today? You can find everything that we've talked about in our lovingly crafted show notes. Thanks to JT for putting those together at uh, relay.fm slash MPU. But you can find us on Twitter. We are at Mac Power Users. Katie's at Katie Floyd, and I am at Max Sparky. Thanks again, Father Gabriel, and we will see you all next week. Bye.